Hello, hello, and welcome to another very special episode of Sweet 12 Podcast. We're back for the fourth edition uh, this year, and this is going to be the last one of 2014 as we move into 2015, and we'll have many more surprises uh, as well. Today, more surprises, more things to do, more things to talk about. I'm Brian, he's Ryan. Thank you for tuning in again. This is the episode four, A New Hope. <laughs> yes, I, I guess. very nice. One New Hope, yes. As we try and iron out the kinks, try and get better uh, at, at what we're doing. Uh, and and to provide reliable news, which I think might be more my favorite part of the show, is trying to come up with uh, fun things to talk about in the beginning. But, uh, that's kind of all over the internet. So. Everybody has the news, but we're going to pinpoint a few of them like we do all the time and talk about the the best stories of the week. More like I guess the best stories of the last couple of days. But yeah, we'll do the last. We'll do we'll do the news that that we like, the news that's fit to to talk about. And then we do our list. We'll have our top twelve Marvel on screen villains. Big screen villains. The unsweetened villains. Yes. Yes, they're all very evil and mischievous and diabolical. And then we'll finish up, as always, with our vault pick of the week. Uh, I think you'll be... Hopefully you'll be happy with the pick if you grew up in the same kind of generation we did. If not, then maybe it might be something to look forward to or to show your kids. Or if you're still young enough, to show yourself. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to take a, a re-watch of many things from the vault that we're going to be talking about later, so... You want to start off with news? Yeah, I do want to start you, off with news. You told me about this one. I was I was caught off guard. I did not. I was caught off guard when I read it. I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't read it. And then here you come screaming down the the hall. Hey, Ryan, did you see what happened? And <laughs> yeah, it's, I had no it's, idea. It's sad news for anybody from our generation. Um, uh, voice actress uh, Christine Cavanaugh uh, passed away today um, for unknown causes. Uh, right now they aren't releasing anything yet as to why she had passed away, but for anybody who does not know who she is, uh, she, she was, uh, another large voice of our childhood, uh, being Chucky Finster from Rugrats, Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory, Oblina from Ah, Real Monsters, Babe from the movie Babe, uh, Marty Sherman. The first, the first one. The first one, yes, excuse me, Babe, not Babe Pig in the City, but the original Babe movie. Uh, that'll do pig where that line comes from she was she voiced the babe the pig marty sherman from the critic that very wonderful short-lived series uh goslin wendemeyer wendemeyer waddlemeyer mallard dang it waddlemeyer mallard goslin yeah (laughs) goslin from darkwing duck um and many many other voice uh and and some live action roles that she had as well on i know salute your short she was mona um ugg's girlfriend uh she was the the <laughs> she was you're she right she was the post wow. office person i think and she yeah. was ugg's girlfriend in that in that series so um we're very sad to to hear that news um uh, from her being such a big part of our childhood we watched i, I watched all of these cartoons and, and movies that, that, that she was in not fully making the connection until I grew older and, you know, you know, Google was readily available. But you you kind of knew, listening to Oblina, listening to Dexter, listening to Chucky, they all really sounded familiar. You know, but you didn't have the references like you do today. So you just kind of like, yeah, that's probably the same person. And then going back and just looking at everything that she's done, it just kind of hits you. And I for, totally forgot about Ah Real Monsters until this happened, which is one of my favorite Nicktoons. Even, even as a child, though, you, you're not usually making those connections because the good voice actors and actresses, they'll... They'll mask their voice enough so you can't really tell who is who. Now you can hear similar, you know, voices, but you're not, I mean, I was, when I was six and seven and eight, I wasn't saying, oh, Chucky's the same voice as Oblina, as Dexter, you know, watching them later now, like you said, having internet at everybody's fingertips, you are quickly finding out who does what. Um, I have a different dimension to this. My kids are now getting into Rugrats. Um, they're, they're. Their great grandmother, caretaker, has uh, Rugrats little toys, probably from 
Burger King or McDonald's or something. So they oftentimes are in the car when I'm picking them up asking if they can play with their Chucky or their Tommy <laughs> or their baby Dill or their, you know, their 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 dog. I forget the dog's Spike. name. Spike. So they're always asking for those. So they are watching the show now. So they're becoming aware of Rugrats, which is something that I grew up with. I was a little bit older when it came out, but they're watching it and enjoying it. So well, I still, I, I was definitely too old for Rugrats, but I think I watched the majority of episodes. Yeah, you're... At your age, I mean, you're not that much older than me, but at your age, you were probably watching Doug more often. Yes. Because that yeah. was when... Well, and, and Dexter, for me. Dexter's mm-hmm. Laboratory was fantastic. I loved that show. There's there's four seasons. Um, there's more. I think there's more there's than more that. Than I think there's just two yeah. that are on Netflix. Three and four right. are on Netflix. On Netflix. It, it's such a great show. It It, it, it really... Was 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 a very welcome change of pace from from the Nicktoons, you know that they that they always had. So so mm-hmm. this aired on Cartoon Network, and and to have you know Dexter with Johnny Bravo and Powerpuff Girls, there that was their answer to the Nicktoons and Nickelodeon. Yeah, had. so it was a great it was a great. Series I mean, at, of cartoons in ninety one, if I'm going to put a date on it, Nick released their three cartoons, one for each age group. Mm-hmm. They had Rugrats, they had Doug, and they had Ren and Stimpy. Yes, and the. Two of them took off more so than the other one. Of course, Rugrats and Doug. Ren and Simpy was popular, but again, being for an older audience, there weren't many adult-themed cartoons or even older teen-themed cartoons. Right. Was, I mean, Simpsons was out, but it was only in its third or fourth season, and that was not geared. That was not supposed to be geared towards young teenagers, like Ren and Simpy was supposed to be. And it ended Correct. up being Ren and Simpy became geared more towards adults. Nickelodeon didn't want it on the programming, right? And stopped it after a couple of years, where Doug and Rugrats kind of set the tone for everything else Nickelodeon did in the 90s. Right. Right. So, and, and, and having voiced Chucky Finster, which is everybody knows Chucky Finster. Is. Mm-hmm. You know, the big orange-haired kid with the buck teeth and the glasses. He, he's such all an the, iconic... All the, all, the, yeah. all the allergies and the, oh, yeah. the phobias. And he's, the, he's the kind of opposite of Tommy. He's reverse Tommy, he's, if, he's, if you will. Yeah, he was, the, he was the one that I always related to the best. Not necessarily with the phobias and being allergic to everything, but... Being cautious, and mm-hmm. I don't think we should and do this, guys. Kind of standing yeah. in the back, yeah. yeah I was always the reason. Chucky guy. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, rest in peace, Christine Cavanaugh. You were a voice of our childhood, and far too young to, to pass on at this time. You had so much more that you could have given us. Yeah, and I know you've been retired, semi-retired for a while, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just it's unfortunate that it, that it has to happen at such a time. But we will never forget you, and you will always be immortalized in your voice. So, yeah, I was going to add something, but that's really good. I don't I even want to. No, no, that's a very good job. Don't apologize. Um, yeah, she definitely will be missed. Um, uh, we can move on now. After that, we're, we're going to try and liven up the show a little bit. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on. You do yours because I want to save my my last news piece oh, for sure. last. I okay. want you to do yeah. your the, the second yeah. one, the third one. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll rant later. Yeah. Um, next little morsel of news it's nothing huge but i think it's i think it's fantastic uh netflix uh, announced today that they're gonna have a little three minute clip of king julian from madagascar movies and the it's king julian show that they have on netflix as well i believe um they're gonna have a little three minute clip for uh this new year's to come out just so the parents can kind of fool their kids to saying hey it's time for you to go to bed and here's the new year happy new year kind of thing so just this fun little original content piece that Netflix put out and I think it's so funny you know especially for the kids who aren't going to be able to stay up that late but they still want to ring in the new year I think it's a it's a great it's a funny little uh, a, uh, gimmick that trick, they have to trick the yeah. kids because a lot of kids want to stay up till midnight but they can't make it correct and then they try to force themselves to stay up and it just makes it 
not very fun for just, parents. Then they end up just passing out on the couch, and you feel bad for them. You have to wake them up for New Year's, yeah. and they don't want to be woken up because they're tired. Yeah. So this is this is a great so way you can, for your two, three, four, five year olds, and just give them a play couple it. hours. Yeah. They'll love it. It's this, this is specifically made for them from Netflix, which they said that they wanted to have more. Um, Original programming for all ages, and this is going to be another piece uh, to that puzzle, which I, I'm all for. I find it I, not ironic. I just I find it funny that they're calling a three minute clip programming for all for families. I mean, I know the show is well, not necessarily for all family. aimed at all audience, but they want original programming for I, all audience. This clip isn't that tailored. It's just they have a clip now that spans a different uh, age bracket. I, I know, I know that. I just found it funny that they included that in the. In the, in the press release, release. Yeah, yeah. given that it's a three-minute video. Like, this is <laughs> this is all the programming you're getting, families. Just yeah, three minutes of it. King Julian, of Sasha... Bar- <laughs> we can only afford three minutes of Sasha Barrett Cohen, and maybe his friend Cedric the Entertainer will make a, make, make <laughs> a, a, make a cameo also. That, that's all we can afford for New Year's. Yeah. But, no, they're, they're doing a, a show on Netflix. There's already five episodes available. Enjoy um, three minutes apiece. Yes. So, but, no, I, I find it I, fi- I find it to be pretty a pretty neat idea on Netflix's part. Because, I mean, let's face it, some parents don't want to stay up till midnight either. So they can just take their kids into going to bed, and you can all just, just go to bed and enjoy the new year in, in sleeping, I guess. Yeah. So, the last piece of news, I'm going to get right into it, because this might take a while. <laughs> uh, it, it probably won't. I've, I, I've already... I think I've already, already gotten ran- a lot of it yeah, out of the system. You ran it enough to me that hopefully we don't have to... So, Brian found this awesome little yeah. piece of news, and I'm going to... I'm just going to read it to, uh, to you here. This is from comicbook.com. This was posted today um, by one of their um, one of their one of their writers. Writers, Jamie Lovett. I'm going to read it for you. Um, starts out Fox Wait, give Home. Him, give them the Twitter handle. Uh, uh, the Twitter handle. Uh, it's just comicbook.com. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, Fox Home Entertainment Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications. That's a title, by the way. That's the title of the guy, James Finn has confirmed via Twitter that the Rogue cut of X-Men Days of Future Past will be released in the summer of 2015. I don't know if anybody saw X-Men Days of Future Past. Brian hasn't yet, so I kind of had to spoil it a little bit for him in this And that's okay. I, I, I'm a little behind. I'm a little behind. Rogue doesn't make an appearance in the movie until the very end when everything's back to Norman. That's right. That was in honor of Chucky from Rugrats because <laughs> they always say things that are funny. The film's Rogue cut will reinstate Rogue's rescue sequence, which was cut from the film's theatrical release and not included with the film's first Blu-ray release. The scene is an action sequence in which Magneto and Iceman must break Rogue out of one of the mutant concentration camps so that she can absorb the wounded Kitty Pride's powers and take over as Wolverine's time travel anchor. Finn goes on to say that the Rogue cut is a distinct film from the original. And that's, in, that's in quotes, by the way. Distinct, distinct film is in Rogue quotes. Rogue Cut is also in quotes. Yeah. The Blu-ray will not include the theatrical release of Days of Future Past. Additionally, the Rogue Cut Blu-ray will have its own unique set of special features, none of which were previously included on the Days of Future Past Blu-ray. I just want you to think about that for a second. So they're making a brand new movie that's distinct from the original... Adding parts that make no sense into the movie because they were clearly cut in the first place to try to make an extra dollar. Now, I'm all for special releases, extended editions. I'm the guy who bought all the versions of the, of the Lord of the Rings movies, then bought the extended editions, then bought the Blu-rays, then bought the extended edition Blu-rays. I'm that guy. So I have no problem making 
new movies and extending them out. But don't call it a distinct film from the original and make it everything completely different. Don't don't try to say and don't try to tell me that this is a completely separate movie because it's not. You're going to add maybe 10 minutes to a movie. You're going to throw it in the middle here where it makes no sense because Kitty Pride is in the whole movie. You can't really just take her away and does anybody remember what happens when Rogue absorbs your powers? You kind of die. Or she has a limited time to use the powers. So, I I don't know. I find it, I find it a really bad money grab, and it's terrible for canon and continuity. Because now, which movie becomes canon in this in this series? Because the whole reason Days of Future Past exists is to undo the shit that happened in X Men Three. It, it's really there to just completely remove X Three from existence because they can go back in time. The Sentinels never come. Blah, blah, everybody's alive, Jean Grey's alive, Scott Summers is alive, Beast is alive, everybody... Marty McFly's family doesn't disappear, it's perfect. It's perfect, you know, they don't, they don't have to steal any music, and, you know, there's no Johnny Be Good stolen no anybody. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's so bothersome to me that, that Fox have, has the audacity, really, to call this a distinct film that has nothing to do with the original theatrical release. I don't know. I, I like I said. I'm I'm not I'm not against special editions. I'm not against extended releases. But I am against people who make a separate movie for the sake of making a separate movie to try to make that extra dollar and then not having anything. Basically, completely removing the other movie from existence. That's why it's called the Rogue Cut, I suppose, because this is going to be a Rogue copy. Oh my goodness! But I don't know. I don't. Know. What, do you have any opinions on movies like this? I know you're not big in the into buying I, or collecting movies, but no. but in, in the in the scheme of a uh, timeline yeah, of movies, the whole movie dumb. No, I don't care for this uh, one bit. I, I like like you. I love my director's cuts. Like how many times have we watched Blade Runner? Every time there's a new release, yeah, let's go watch this new extended edition. Ooh, let's go watch this new final edition director's cut. Let's go watch this new final final edition director's cut of the second director's cut of the cut of that one. The final cut of the director's cut. Yeah, the final cut. And that's fine because it adds a little bit more. It's still the same basic story. They just add some more stuff Ridley Scott is not saying that these other movies didn't exist. Correct. He's just saying that in his vision... There's a little bit more we can do. A little bit more we can do. I'm not restricted anymore. Correct. by, By a studio... The movie is 20 years old. Let's give fans something new yeah. to, to love about this movie. And a little bit might be a money grab, but it's not as blatant at this And stage. it was 20 years. And it was 20, 20 years. 20 years. Exactly. Everybody years. had a chance to go see it. And they're like, you know what? Let's just do this again. Let's release something else that's, that hasn't been done before. There's some bonus features. That's what they did with uh, The Lord of the Rings. It happened a little sooner because everybody was gaga Lord, 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 Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I, like I said, I'm a... And that's fine. I would. I'm I love extended Lord of the Rings. That's That's not a problem for me. You but know, they they stand when it alone. Comes out, when, exactly when it comes out like this, where they where they add this new character and this whole new element, where it's oh, this is a brand new movie. Mm-hmm. Well, what the hell? Why did I spend ten bucks in the movie theater when I can just wait for this movie it, to come out? And it's not just the ten bucks in the theater; it's the ten bucks in the theater plus the twenty for the Blu-ray, right? And maybe the thirty for the Blu-ray. I don't know if there was a three D version. It doesn't matter. But you're, you've already spent your money invested in this movie, and then for them to give out a version that's going to have nothing to do with the original Blu-ray. The original movie, they're calling it a distinct film from the original. That's bothersome. I mean, at least at least have the balls to say that that you're you know that you're doing it because you want to make money. Don't do it and hide it between this extra cut and this distinct film. Because now when I'm on the, when I'm in the the store and I'm going to buy the road cut or the original, 
the original's gonna be probably $15, the road cut's gonna be $20. i am gonna buy the original. They don't want me to do that. They want me to buy the road cut. Because they, or they want you to buy both. They should package them together. They, they had to sell it for 50 bucks. Oh, and then they said that this one's gonna have uh, uh, more special edition, or, yeah, uh, features on this uh, release than the original release. So there's going to be a lot more behind the scenes. And it's stuff that wasn't on the original. Sure. Correct. Which so is... it's more special features. So this is really just catering to people who liked the movie, who wanted to see a different version of the movie, and who wanted a whole bunch of other garbage thrown into it. And I don't want to say it's garbage. I do like the special feature stuff, but I'm just, I just don't like the way they're going about it. Yeah, I, my biggest problem is, is just calling it distinct film. Calling it a rogue cut, saying that it has nothing to do with the original. Um, why don't you just add that scene as a special feature scene? Why don't you just call this the the Days of Future Past Revisited, or I don't know. I mean, I guess Rogue Cut makes more sense to people who know who Rogue it, is and X-Men. Because play on words. That's fine. I don't know. I I just... Thank you, Fox, for... Thank you, Fox, for giving clarity as to why I do these things, but doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Because I'm all for special editions, but don't sugarcoat it to me. Don't... Don't tell don't don't give me a separate film and say it's not the same film because it is the same film. So I'm gonna I'm getting off topic here, and, and I mean it's I guess it is a little on topic with what our list it's actually is of the very week, on topic to what we're doing. But they could be at, I'm gonna add Fox as number thirteen to our list of, of Marvel, <laughs> Marvel villains, villains because fuck you Fox seriously. <laughs> I I all right Ugh. all right I digress all right let's, let's jump let's, let's take a breath are you here ready? are you you okay you ready to do the list. Yeah, I'm okay. ready. I'm, I'm okay. loose now. I'm okay. loose. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk villains. Okay. I think. All right. We just got us good and mad. This is this is the same criteria as the as the Marvel heroes that we did last week. We 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 came up with we put villains on the original list, and then we realized that there were more villains that we wanted to or more heroes that we wanted to add to the original. So we took them, took the villains off. Figured we would maybe find twelve. We were hoping to find twelve. I didn't even think we. I think early in the week we were struggling to even find six. But we really, we really got and, into it, though. And then we got into it and found and found twelve. So it's the same criteria, um, one character on the list. So if there's multiple versions of an of a of a Marvel villain, we chose one. Um, only one actor per role. So if there was two, let's say, let's say again for Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield can't have both. Um, if Tobey Maguire, if we can't have two Chris Evans on the list, so no Thor, no Captain America. Same criteria as before, but it's easier for villains because there there haven't been too many. There hasn't there, there haven't been not, a, not a lot of overlap no, with the villains as there were for the heroes. So we didn't have that huge. Uh, actually, it does, it, but it does it does still happen for the villains. But we had an easier time going through. So um, I'll let you start off with. Sure. Um, I'll let you start with twelve and eleven because these were the ones you wanted on the list, and I I gave up my fight for my people. I put thirteen on the list. I put. Fox my, yeah. on the list, Fox. so Take you can have 12. Normal. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Number 12 on the Marvel Villains list is Sebastian Shaw, played by Kevin Bacon. And I really liked this casting. Uh, I did. What movie? I, I, what movie, Brian? Oh, excuse me. This is from X-Men First Class. I apologize. Thank you. Thank you for catching me on that. I, just, I think Bacon did a great job. Um, I played a lot of the video game, um, which X-Men Legends. Was it? And he was he was uh, noted a couple of times in there. He wasn't a playable character or anything, but they mentioned him a, a few yeah, times. Yeah, the first it. the first one of yeah. the. And he was in that, and I think uh, Bacon. He was such a a force in this in this role for this movie. He was in it the whole movie and had these powers and went through 
And, you know, they kind of gave him a little nod of how Magneto got his helmet because Sebastian Shaw had the helmet. And it was just, he had this different idea, this ideal of how mutants were supposed to interact. And, you know, that's kind of basically the basis of all the X-Men movies is the two mutant sides are fighting. This is just another version of it. I think Sebastian Shaw did a great, or excuse me, Kevin Bacon did a great job as Sebastian Shaw as this ringleader uh, uh, type of person. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I really can't say too much else about it, other than he he just he played this evil role very well. As 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 uh, awful as that sounds, because I can't think of any better words than that. Well, he's a unique villain too, in that he. He doesn't have necessarily like a superpower per se, but he absorbs energy to enhance abilities, trees, you know, speed and strength. They don't really touch on that in the movie so much, but he does have those abilities in the movie. That's why he's able to, to stand up and fight and do all those things. Um, he is kind of a weird overseer character because there aren't too many of those in the X Men universe. I mean, Magneto tries to be that a little bit, but you know, it's different, different means essentially. He. He really is just kind of like a just he wants to dominate the world. Yeah. I guess he's yeah. just kind of a a, a badass executive. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, yeah, it's the stereotypical you know wants to control the world type thing. But they put a little different twist on it uh, with the, the the mutants' powers and everything. So I, I thought it was I thought I mean, it was very d- good. depending on I guess which which canon you go with which mm-hmm. with comic book. You go with he did help fund the Sentinel program, so he is kind of responsible for a lot responsible of responsible for a lot of bad shit that happens mm-hmm. in in the Marvel universe. So, so props to Kevin Bacon because he is kind of a he looks like he'd be a bad a bad guy. You know, ever ever since Footloose, he's kind of been a bad guy. <laughs> that town, you know, yeah, that town. He he brought dancing to the town. Evil, you couldn't do that. Evil town. Oh, he was evil. He brought dancing to the town. The town's not evil. You want to do number ten or number eleven too? Yeah. Toad uh, is number 11. Uh, what por- movie? Portrayed by Ray Park from the original X-Men movie. And I was so sad. And I think this might be just Ray Park's curse that he only stars as a villain in one movie and then they kill him off. Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, for those of you who, don't, who aren't laughing right now, Ray Park was uh, Darth Maul in episode one, mm-hmm. Phantom Menace from Star Wars. And they killed him off right away. And he was the best villain that they've had since Darth Vader, in my opinion. That's a, that's a different topic for a different time. Uh, Toad now also gets killed off in this movie, so spoilers if no one has seen this movie that's been out You've for You've got 14, 15, 15 years. years yeah. you, you, you have no spoilers in this one. Um, I, I loved Toad. I loved his portrayal. Uh, I thought with Ray Park's martial arts ability, it worked so well with what Toad did because uh, in the comics, in, in the, uh, he's so agile, which makes it so great that... You know, Ray Park, this agile martial artist, gets mm-hmm. to portray him. He he works very well with, with the fight scenes, and I loved watching them. And he'd always kind of maybe not lumber around, but movements from time to time really was Toad-esque. And I, I love that they just kind of cheesed it up for you a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of pandered to the audience. This is why we call him Toad, because he is a Toad. You know, he has the long tongue. He's got the, you know, he spits the goo at people, and he kind of walks around and has little mimicky toe-type movements when he's, you know, in battle or when he's just kind of, you know, chilling around. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was so great. And, and, and again, to see Ray Park, who's one of my favorite, you know, little actors, it's kind of like Doug Jones, but to a lesser extent, how he just kind of pops up from here and there to have these really iconic roles, mm-hmm. you know? And you, yeah. just, and you just love it. It's fantastic. And, again, another opportunity to have Ray Park, martial arts, up on the big screen, I'm all for. 
had a couple of lines in the movie, which was great, and I'm just, I'm just so sad that he wasn't in any of the other films. I was, I was very sad. He was, he was probably my, he was, he was my favorite villain that they had in, in, in the X-Men, in the, the original, I guess, X1, X2, X3, and, and those, uh, in that series. He was my favorite villain. I, I loved, loved watching him up on the screen. It was one of, uh, one of the things I just couldn't wait to go see, because I knew he was going to be in the movie. I do number 10. I can do number 10. Yeah. All right. So number 10 is uh, Victor Von I'm Not a Real Doctor Doom. And I say that because he actually never graduated college in the comics, but I'm pretty sure he did in, in the movie. Oh. Sorry. Hang on. Toad was supposed... I'm reading some trivia. Toad was supposed to appear in X2 X-Men United fighting Nightcrawler, but was cut out because of schedule problems with Ray Park. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Thanks for ruining my movie. All right. Go ahead now. Mm. Not to go bite of a uh, cookie, so... Well, okay. Well, don't eat while we're doing a podcast. Well, you don't read trivia in the middle of me talking about Victor Von Doom. All right, since you're eating, I'm going to grab a beer while you do Victor Von Doom. All right, sounds good. All right, ready, go. All right, so I'm going to do this alone, because he doesn't know anything about Victor Von Doom. That's not true! It's totally true. So, uh, Julian McMahon played Victor Von Doom in the movie Fantastic Four, which I'm not a big fan of, but it was an okay movie. We we talked about it on the last podcast with... with um. Chris Evans playing Johnny Storm and how much he was such a huge dick, but that totally called for the, in the role. Um, Victor Von Doom's a tough character to portray um, because in the original comic book thing, he was the leader of a country, Latveria or something. Latveria. But he wasn't. He wasn't the like the, the the like the big businessman like he is in the movie. But I mean, no, he he, he was more of like a, a, a castle lord mm-hmm. type in the comics. He was, he was born. He was born to like a like a witch mother and like a yeah. king father or something, but. <laughs> but I mean, I, despite those differences, and despite that going against pretty much everything that I wanted to start with in this oh, yeah, in this good. podcast, it's Julian McMahon just looks like somebody who could lead a country. He looks like somebody who could lead a business, and he also has that evil. look. He had that to presence him. on the film uh, when, when you watch him. He just was like he commanded when, the screen when he, when he would talk to to Reed Richards. He just he knew. He just he's just above him. Mm-hmm. I have more money than you. I'm more successful than you are. Yet yet he still needs Reed to do things because Reed is that much smarter than mm-hmm. he is. But Reed doesn't know quite how to take that knowledge like Victor Von Doom does mm-hmm. and create this empire, so to speak. So instead of being a, a castle-y type villain from the comic books, they they more modernized it to make it, I guess, more relatable to the to modern yeah. day audience, and made him some top of the skyscraper type, you know, emperor looking down on his domain. To be to be fair, the CEO of today is pretty much like the king of old because they do have the serfs working below them right. to make to right. make ends meet. Yeah, um, that that's another digression that we can get into way future. <laughs> um, but just the overall Victor Von Doom character is, is kind of kind of overbearing. Um, especially if you, again, we've already referenced X-Men Legends a bunch of times, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's Marvel Ultimate Alliance, he's one of the bad guys that you have to fight yeah. in the game, and he just, you know, he's... He's so good at it. He, he is, and, and Julian McMahon does an amazing job at being that, that that bad guy who who doesn't necessarily look like a bad guy. I mean, he definitely, I mean, the way that he talks and the way that his mannerisms are, you know, he can he can hide being the villain very well, but you can clearly tell... Just by kind of looking at him, that yeah, he looks like, like he's, he's going to be the he's bad. He's ready for it. Yeah, yeah. So he, 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 when he's on screen, he he commands the screen um, a little bit better than than Reed Richards did. Um, I think Julie McMahon had a little bit more acting under his belt before yeah. this movie. But he was in Nip Tuck as well. He was, and I love that show. Yeah. Um. So 
Victor Von Doom squeaks in at number 10. Um, we both had him around that 10, yeah. 9 area. Yeah. Um, this is a very uh, very similar list for both of yeah, us. Yeah, we, we, we didn't have too it. much too much different except no, for like two things. A few things here and there. Yeah. But I'm going to switch quickly to number 9 because number 9 is one that... Was tough. He almost fell off my list. He he would have fallen off the list, but not because he's not a good. It's not a good portrayal. Um, at least not for me. That's not why he would have fallen off the list. Well, he would have fallen off the list because the, what they portrayed on the screen, yeah. how they wrote him, didn't follow along with my interpretation of the character, so, yeah. and that was a big problem for me. And I know it wasn't the actor's fault. No, but I. It was just how it was written. So, number nine is uh, Doc Ock. From Dr. Otto Octavius. From the Spider-Man 2, who is portrayed by Alfred Molina. Is probably, it's he's it's Spider-Man's Joker, is what Doc Ock is. He is the number one villain for Spider-Man. Not in the movie, but yes, in... in no, in comic book, in yeah. Spider-Man lore. In, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and can I just say that I'm, I'm surprised there aren't more uh, Spider-Man um, villains on this list, because Spider-Man's rogues gallery uh, is Marvel... Is Marvel's version of Batman's Rogues Gallery, and everybody know it can rattle off like fourteen or fifteen Batman villains, and they can do the same for Spider-Man. He has that wide of array, and he has that many good villains. So I'm really surprised that well, we don't you, have more. If you think about the movies and who they've portrayed as the villains, mm-hmm. they've had Green Goblin three times. They've <laughs> That's had true. they've had the Croc twice. Right. They've had the Sandman once, and they've had Doc Ock once, and then. The Electrode, or whatever his name is. Electro, yeah. yeah that, that's really all they've had. And Venom. Did you say Venom? I didn't say Venom. I guess that he was portrayed. He was on there. He it was. But, I mean, in Rhino, I guess, for like Rhino, 10 seconds. For like 10 seconds. Oh, he needed a bigger part. I I was so mad that Paul Giamatti didn't have a bigger role in that movie. That just leads into the the next Spider-Man movie, which will be that the five villains, whatever that's called. The Sinister Six. Thank you. It's the Six. Sinister Five. No. <laughs> the Furious Five. The Fabulous Five. <laughs> so, so Doc Ock makes the list um, because his portrayal by Alfred Molina was very good. Yes. He does an amazing job as playing this this smart... Um, what's the word now? I can't think of it. He plays a very smart doctor. Very, physicist. He's a physicist. Isn't he like a theoretical physicist yeah, or something like that? Yeah, something like that. He's very affluent. Um, mm-hmm. But he's also a very nice guy. The only reason in the movie that he goes bad is because of an experiment gone wrong, and he thinks Spider-Man was the reason that this experiment went wrong. And part of that is because he's lost his rational thinking, excuse me, because the AI overtook his neck and his brain. Right. The so, AI of this machine that he invented the, took the, over. The, the, the octopus arms, the four the forearms of, of justice. So his his main his main function in the movie is to get revenge on Spider-Man, actually to rebuild to rebuild that particle thing that he was doing to help control energy. His, his thing is to rebuild it, because if he can rebuild it, he can prove that it does work. Correct. And, he was and, more hell-bent on making it work, and then not caring if he destroyed anything in his wake, rather than world domination, which is more than... You know, which is which is what you want out of your villains. Yeah. Is the more world domination side, where they have this vision that they're just going to control everything, and the hero has to stop them. Mm-hmm. This was more so, well, I just have to make my machine work. I don't really care if I steal or hurt people. That's really not my main focus right now. I just I just have to make my little tinker toys work. But, uh, I mean, he, he and, was... And it took it took away from the... It took away, for, for me, it took away a little bit from the villain. But he was conscious of, of what he was doing. He was. He did, he did care, but then the, the robot arms told, you know, basically were talking to him, yeah. saying, no, we have to do this. And, right, right. And and so so his character had dimension had 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 stuff 
you know, he had he had more than just I'm going to destroy right. he had a, Spider-Man. He had, he had a story of why he had to do this. He had a good background. It was and it was portrayed by a very talented actor. You know, and Alfred uh, Molina. Harry, Harry, is that, is that Harry Oswald? Harry Osborne. Harry, that's the young one, right? Yes, that's the second Green Goblin. Yes. He, uh, no, he told him that, he told, he told Doc Ock that if you got Spider-Man for me, you could have all the stuff you wanted from our lab. Right. All the money and all the lab, you'll buy him everything. And, and do he, you know, he, he never, you know, in true Green Goblin fashion, he never gave it to him. But, yeah. Um, but at the end, Doc Ock has the change of heart and says, we can destroy this thing if you do this. And so that's why he's not higher on the list, because he's, he kind of turns from being a villain. You know, he swerves us at the end mm-hmm. and says, I'm not going to be a villain. I'm going to help save the world now. And he Darth Vader's himself by having one less redeeming quality, mm-hmm. which makes you think, oh, he wasn't all that bad. It was just the arms. It was the Ock of the Doc Ock. Yes, that... and it was the Emperor of the Darth Vader yeah. or something. Maybe it's just having that music. That Having that music on just makes you want to hurt somebody. Yeah, and they didn't force, have they, they force choke. They should have they should have played that because it is a Fox movie. They could have played that instead of whatever they played <laughs> yeah, over Spider-Man. If they would play any Star Wars music into anything that's not Star Wars, I'm sure every fan would have a shit fit. Oh, that's not the Emperor's theme. <laughs> There's not even an emperor in this movie. It's a movie about crackers. <laughs> I crackers? Know. I don't know. White people or the food? The food. Okay. No, not white people. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I just crackers was the first thing that popped into my head. Sure, cuz movie be a about great crackers. Movie. I would watch that. Oh no, my Ritz bits. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> not my club crackers. Um, anything else you got about Doc Ock? No, I wish he would have been in the movie a little bit more. Um, I just wish he they, they they needed just that tiny little tweak. And, and just, we're finding out that a lot of our villains are dying at the end of the movies. I've noticed. Yep, and we're not going. That's going to continue for some of the list. Most All of, of the them. List. Not no, <laughs> except for a couple. Anyway, except for the top six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not really. We'll continue. Go to number eight. Number Mr. eight. Oh, this is one of my favorites that uh, that we did. Um, Ronan the Accuser, portrayed by Lee Pace from Guardians of the Galaxy. Or Pushing Daisies, if you ever watch TV. Yes, Pushing Daisies, if anyone has watched TV, which nobody does. Nobody watches TV. That's why I got canceled. Yeah, that's, that's probably why. It'll be on, it'll make a list in the future, I'll, I can guarantee that, but... But yeah, Ronan the Accuser from Guardians. Oh, which, what, what, a, what a great portrayal. Um... I don't want to say unknown character unless you're really, really into the Marvel comics. He he appeared in here and there and a few storylines in the comic books. I didn't know a lot about him until uh, until the movie came up. And then we started just doing some reading on him for this list. And he, mm-hmm. holy crap. The, the way that Pace just commanded that s- the screen every time he showed up in a scene was just amazing. He just stole the film. It was so great, just that that booming voice that he had, and the the hatred and the anger. He did such a great job of just emoting, and I I, I knew very little of him. Well, but, it, you know, it's funny because he he wasn't he didn't originally appear in Guardians of the Galaxy because the whole thing with Guardians of the Galaxy is it's not a real comic. I right. mean, we're gonna we talked about it last week how none of the people, none of the five in the movie ever appeared were all five comics. together. Right? You know, it was <clears throat> Gamora and Star Lord and. Rocket Raccoon for a while. Groot was a bad guy. Turns into a good guy. Mm-hmm. Turns into a bad guy. Turns into a good guy. Uh, and then Drax was a bad guy. Turned into a good guy. But none of them, until this movie came out, none of those five had ever been together in the same room. Uh, because Guardians of the Galaxy takes place in the year 3000, which they rewrote for the movie. And takes it's supposed to be like the new Avengers, essentially. Guardians of the Galaxy is the new Avengers. Right. Um, so Ronan originally was in Fantastic Four. He was a Fantastic Four villain. And so it was kind of neat that they were able to still use it, link it with Thanos... 
who's the villain in the Avengers movie. I can't wait for Thanos. Can, can I just say, I cannot wait for Thanos to be up on the big screen, like, all the time. to be the main villain. You can't wait for, for more than 30 seconds of Josh Brolin I at know, a time. I know, I know. I need more Brolin. I miss you, Brolin. Come back to but me. But he, he does such a, like, you're right, he, he, he's, he's, like a, he's like Julian McMahon in where he commands the screen when he's on mm-hmm. it, but that's Lee's, I think that's his acting background, too. He was, he was, a, he was a theater person before he was a state, before he was a cinema person, so... They tend to to help. They tend to do better at at portraying true different types of characters. Mm-hmm. So he was able to to be this bad guy. And I mean, funny story. I mean, he's he's been everywhere this year. He was in the Hobbit movie. He plays yeah. Uh, yeah. Thendril, the, the the elf king of Mirkwood, and Legolas's father. So he's been big in the movies in the last couple yeah. years. Yeah. And and I'm excited. I like. I love this guy. He's such a great actor. I, I would like to see him do more things. Yeah. I mean, af- after watching Pushing Daisies, which I liked, he kind of fell off the, the planet a little bit. Didn't do anything that I saw. I'm sure he did. Some and then he tried roles. to take over the galaxy. And then he tried to take over the galaxy, and he tried to defend the forest of orcs. Yes, I which mean, is, these are not simple tasks. So, so, so he is what? a god amongst men. He is immortal because he's an elf. Yes, and he can command the stars because he's Ronan the Accuser, and he accuses people. Yes, and he has a big hammer. Very and if he gets hammer. a hail of an and also, Can stone. we just talk about the name Ronan the Accuser? That's so and how fitting he has a big gavel. Yeah, you know, as he's like judging everyone. Just what a what a great character. I I enjoyed every moment he was on the screen, mm-hmm. he, and I thought he fit that story so well, mm-hmm. so well. Yeah, he yeah that was a good a good casting choice. Oh, absolutely. Um, which which is funny that we're we're raving like it should be number three, two, or one. Oh, but... I know, and it's not even close. It's number eight. Moving on to number seven. Boom. You want to do number seven? I don't know. I'm, I'm good. Like, all right. I'll do. I'll start number seven. All right. Um, so we've already talked about Spider-Man with Doc Ock, um, but the the new the new breed of Spider-Man movies. So I guess the ones that started in 2000. I guess that's not the newest of the breeds, but you know, no no Spider-Man story is complete without Green Goblin. No, no. And now that Willem Dafoe has portrayed the Green Goblin, nobody else can do it. Nobody no. else. I mean, Chris. What's his name? Chris. Something I'll look it up. The, the guy who did it in the Amazing Spider-Man one, he was oh. literally had like four lines while he was dying in bed, and that was supposed to be the the passing of the Green Goblin in the more realistic universe. But Willem Dafoe, he is such he's a Wisconsin native, so he's he's from our home state, yeah, which yeah, is pretty yeah. sweet. What Appleton, right? I thought it was um, it might be Appleton. I thought it was more uh, Milwaukee area, but yeah. he he's kind of like. Julian McMahon, where he plays that business CEO very well, mm-hmm. and he yeah, takes oh. it to a different. Well, and, well, it's because it's Willem Dafoe. It is, and he can play anything. And Boondock Saints, for one. Yeah, Boondock Saints is a um, sweet movie. But you know, he plays the same type of character that, like Victor Von Doom, and kind of Doc. You know, you could combine a couple of these. Of well, you, these... you originally start out where you don't have any bad um, intentions. During this whole ordeal, he's, he's trying but then to... it converts you over to this villain. So it kind of happens again, but now I mean, know. and I'm not going to nitpick the movies because whatever. I mean, they're trying to develop a super serum, which they shouldn't have to because Captain America already had it. <laughs> but again, this is that would be, uh, I guess, like a time chronological order, not real comic book order. But but he's developing this serum, and and the government isn't giving him enough time. I mean, they've had some trials, it isn't working right, so then he decides that he's going to do it himself. He's going to try this the serum on himself, which never goes good for any for anybody. There always is a caveat with that. So he the, the serum drives insanity, which is what it showed in the lab mice. So Spider-Man is out to, you know, try to stop him. Now he doesn't want to kill him. I mean, Spider-Man's not there to kill people, but 
you know, Green Goblin is out there to kill Spider-Man because he stopped, you know, he's he's thwarted his plans to kill all the the heads of the government and the, the army when they were at that part of the parade in New York or something. I don't know, but he was trying to sabotage his own company, I think, too, a little bit in there. Well, yeah, because he went crazy because the gas makes you go, yeah. go, makes you not so on your rocker. But, but ignore the one-liners that are awful, ignore the puns that are awful that he has for, for dialogue, and ignore the monologues that Some, he gives Sometimes he movie. has, but I do want to uh, bring attention to you now to, to just his voice, the difference in his voice. When he's Norman Osborn, he has a real nice, you know, mon- I don't want to say monotone, but a normal voice. And then he goes into... It's very fatherly. It's yeah. very, it's very g- gentle. I mean, it's, it's, it's a deep voice, and it, it is forceful, but in that same breath, it is also a very gentle, it's okay... Because he's, he's not a villain yet. No. You know, so he's just this happy, you know, go lucky guy until, you know, things get intense and the lab accident and whatever. But then he goes into this goblin voice that he has where he, when he puts the suit on and becomes the green <laughs> goblin, he gets real high-pitched and, and gives a goblin-y voice, and it's fantastic. Yeah. And it just more, says more to you know, Willem Dafoe's acting ability that he's able mm-hmm. to do that in such a, such a fantastic way. And he kind of has the fake swerve at the end where he's pretending that he's going to be better. Yeah. And then he ends up you know, trying but to... But he's still evil. He still wants to it. try to get... He still wants to try to kill Spider-Man because he takes that... He takes these hidden blades out of the out of his goblin glider glider and tries to spear Peter Parker in the back and doesn't yeah. work. But you know he's another one of those characters that does a really good job of imbo- you know becoming you know embodying this character. Right. I mean it. <laughs> this this podcast should be called "Does a Really Good Job" because that's <laughs> how we've described everyone so far. Like I mean, it, it, that's that's the whole point of this acting. These actors is they. They, they do embody the role. They, they're good method actors. You know? And can I say thanks to... Oh, boy, I don't know which movie to credit now, so I'll let you credit the movie. But now that we actually have more high-profile actors that are coming into these comic book movies, which were originally thought as no one's going to see them, we really shouldn't put our best you know people in it, mm-hmm. and we'll just put in a bunch of nobodies. But now, I don't want to say because of Heath Ledger, I think it started maybe a little bit before that, but they're starting to get bigger names, or I don't want to say bigger names, but just more talented actors and actresses to come and portray these people on the big screen. I think... And that's, and that's what we get here with Willem Dafoe. Well, I mean, that Willem Dafoe was, what, six years before... Heath. Before Heath Ledger? No, he... Well, no. He would have been nine years before Heath Ledger in the Dark I think Knight. it was 2002. That's Spider-Man. Yeah, And then, Spider-Man and then 2008, 2008 was, I believe, was, I believe, Dark Knight. Which, I yeah, would, which, is, which is a substantial think, period of time. I would think that... Or do we think uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson... Which back, I, back I, would in think, 1989. I would think to get to get out of the campy 70s and 80s and, and 60s movies. I mean, we still had them in the 90s as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, there was a crappy Captain America and Punisher movie in the 80s. Boy, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, that was really bad. I mean, at the time, and, at, and the Fantastic at, Four movie that was never released to at, theaters. At those at those times, they were doing movies and they were kind of taking that flavor of the month actor, because you know Willem Dafoe was. You know, he was big, but he wasn't big at that moment. He had been known for a while. Dolph mm-hmm. Lundgren was coming off of doing some movies, and oh, he's he was famous at one point. Let's just use him. I think the time it was like He-Man and Rocky. He was in a bunch of those, and I think uh, they were just like, yeah, let's just Blade use Runner? him for... What? He wasn't in Blade Runner, was he? I said He-Man. I know, but I, I was thinking Blade Runner. Who's the bad guy in Blade Runner? It's Dolph Lundgren, isn't it? Your face. No, it's definitely not Blade Runner. Or, no, it's not Dolph Lundgren okay. in Blade Runner. But anyway, go with your point. Anyway, the the point I'm making is that you could probably start with Michael Keaton. I mean, he was he was not very big, 
but they got that big actor to be in those movies. They Danny got Jack Nicholson. Got Jack Nicholson to do the Joker. The following year, they got or the following movie, they got Danny DeVito. Yep, Michelle Pfeiffer. Following, I think she was Flavor of the Week though. Yeah, but she became more. I guess that's counterpoint is that she yeah. did become famous, but yeah, she hadn't been fully known as as a bad as, a, as an actress. She was in Scarface. She was in. She was in the movie with. Uh, she was in a movie with. Uh, oh God! She was in a movie with. Uh, <laughs> My God. Matthew Broderick, and I think it was Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> no way. I think so. We'll I to, swear to God. I have to run a fact check. I on that swear one. to God, bro. She was totally in a movie. She, she was totally in a movie. Roy Batty. Roy was, Batty uh, was in Rutger. Yeah, Hauer. That's your thing. Rutger Hauer. Yes, that was yeah. in. The, that was in the. That was Matthew Broderick and uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer too, and it was like a fantasy movie. What movie? Oh, I don't remember the name. Um, like eighties, mid eighties. Oh, but it was with Rutger Hauer. It was Rutger Hauer, okay, Matthew okay. Broderick, so and Michelle not, Pfeiffer. So you're really you're confusing Rutger Hauer with Dolph Lundgren. I am. Or Dolph Lundgren with. Yeah. Rutger Hauer. Whatever. The Hitcher? Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk. All right, 1985. Lady yeah. Hawk. So Michelle Pfeiffer's been around for a while. She was in Greece, too. That was in 81. She wasn't also... Gre- she was in Greece part two, not yeah. Greece also. Well, Greece, yeah. Greece 2-2. Yeah. Greece 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. But, I mean, you could probably... Yeah, what are we talking about now? You, you could probably say that the, the big names kind of started with Tim Burton and, and Batman. Uh, it continued on with there, but it, they didn't rely well, solely they, on on big name they, actors. They did chastise them for, for picking Michael Keaton, though. Everybody thought he was nuts when he picked Michael. He did Keaton okay. Oh, no, no, he, he did a great job. But originally, why did they? they thought he was why did nuts. they chastise him? Because he just got off of Beetlejuice, and they're like, "What the hell are you doing with Batman? We didn't want a campy Batman because Beetlejuice was so yeah. slapsticky and fantastic." And then he was like, "Oh, we're gonna do that same guy that did Beetlejuice, which was such a big movie at the time, mm-hmm. and we're gonna throw him in the Batman suit." People thought he was nuts. Good thing they. Good thing he proved him wrong and did two movies. Yeah, laughing yeah. all the way to the bank. Oh, the way. Well, they're gonna do two movies. Oh, Batman they, movies. They did do two Batman movies. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the two Beetlejuice. No, no, no. Movies. We already yeah, talked yeah. about that because we're getting another Beetlejuice. We talked about that in the news in the first episode. Yes, we did. Um. Oh, and we're talking about Michael Keaton again uh, this week. Love it. Um. But yeah, it, the Spider-Man movies they didn't rely on on big name actors. I mean, James Franco wasn't super famous. He had done a few TV shows. Toby Maguire wasn't super famous. No, he re- not at the time. After that, after that, it was. Uh, um, I mean, th- I think their biggest name was uh, Uncle Ben, because he was in Little House on the Prairie. Which oh, his na- I don't remember his name. Lord knows, I don't remember that. Um, Uncle up. Ben, that's nobody. It well, was somebody and, and though. What's her face? Mary Jane Watson Parker. Uh, but she wasn't very famous either. Kristen Dunst. Yeah, she wasn't very famous. Well, I knew who she was. I, I'm sure you did. But so did we all. But she wasn't super famous. Like, I'm talking... That's true. That's true. Okay, like, oh, man, they got that guy. Like, when they got Heath Ledger, and you're like, what the hell yeah. are they doing with that? Everybody had a shit fit, and then he just blew everybody away when they got Heath Ledger to play the Joker. Yeah. Which, will he, won't he be number one on the DC villains list? Oh, stay tuned to find out. In a while. In a while. We're not going to do that next week. We'll do something else next week. We'll get, off the, we'll get off the hero list for a while. Might do something else. Um, we'll move yeah, on to six. Anyway, yeah, we'll move, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to six. The long and short of it is Willem Dafoe... Kind of set the tone of the new 2000s uh, villain movies after mm-hmm. the abomination that was Batman and Robin with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and I think that's why they were able to get Alfred Molina to come get Doc Ock as well. Because, again, another big name actor to come in and mm-hmm. has been around for a long time. And just come on, just play a, a fun villain. He did. He did a great job. But Defoe did it better. All right, moving on to number six uh, in the countdown, we have Mystique 
from the X-Men 1, 2, and 3 movies. And cameo in, by, cameo in First Class. And Cameo in First Class portrayed by Rebecca Romaine. Sorry to all of you Jennifer Lawrence fanboys out there and girls. If you want to see some Jennifer Lawrence, just go to the Fappening. I'm sure they're still up somewhere. Jeez. Oh, really? I had to bring it up. Why? Because we have that fan base out there who's going to want to know. And that happened like four months ago. So whatever. No, I... I don't approve. You know, I'm not saying you have to t- go there. I'm not. No, I didn't. I'm not going to. I just, I, I just don't want to bring it up. Okay, fine. Anyway, Rebecca <laughs> Romain's never had that problem before. Nope. She was married to John Stamos. That might be a problem. Maybe. But in the movie, she was Rebecca Romain Stamos because mm-hmm. they got divorced after those three movies. So maybe. Or in between. Stamos was the reason she got the role. Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe we have John Stamos. Too, Either way, Mystique is one of those unique supervillains. Yeah. Because she really is kind of just a badass. She doesn't. She doesn't take anybody's really side. She she has her own agenda, and it, she hates all humans. She loves mutants, right, hates right, humans, hates right. them with a passion because the, because of how she grew up in her background. She she had blue skin, mm-hmm. and she's a shapeshifter, so she could change her appearance anytime she wanted. So she always kind of had to put this facade on when she was around other people who would sit and judge her because mutants were so. Uh, looked down upon in in the world of the X Men, so she'd always have to be someone else. She could never be her own true self until she meets Magneto, and Magneto is like, "No, why do you hide from what you really are?" And she and she never goes back to being blue unless she's, or she never goes uh, back to being a normal human unless she's like trying to you know infiltrate something or or you know get what she wants. And so she just stays as her normal self, and everybody knows that she's a mutant. She doesn't care, and that's what makes her badass. As she comes out. All blue, and she just morphs back and forth, and just does you know what she needs to do to to further her and Magneto's agenda, and and just to see the, to see the two of them up on the screen was was so great. Uh, when we had a little bit of it in the X Men um, animated series, but when they put it up on the big screen and they had Ian McKellen in there and and uh, Rebecca Romaine, they they were side by side. I don't think they left each other's side throughout the whole movie. Uh, you know, uh, maybe was, for a couple exactly but they were just at each other's you know at each other's uh, hip attached to each other's hip the whole movie and it was just so great because they're just they're such a cool team to watch you know because Magneto you know he has great powers and then you throw in a, a, a morph like uh, like Mystique and there's really no stopping them that's why they're able just to cause so much ruckus in, in the three movies so it's it's really it's really entertaining to watch uh, it's 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 fun because kind of just looking at how she's been in the comics. She's pretty much been everywhere in the comics. She's mm-hmm. been on the good side and the bad side. And, right. And I'm looking here. I just scanned real quickly. We talked about Norman Osborn already. He she was on Norman Osborn's Dark X Men team. Cool. Which is kind of neat. Um, I know that has nothing really to do with the movies, but it's just she's one of those she's one of those characters that could be really anything that they want her to be. She's um, kind of. Would you say she's kind of like a, a mercenary? Um. Oh, she just kind of does maybe. what you know. Maybe maybe not necessarily for the money, but just to further whatever agenda. I think. You know, she'd I like think to in push. the mo- I think in the movies they do a good job of giving her just one role. I mean, they don't need her to be. No, they don't need her to be everything. They, Correct. The, the movies are clearly, you know, the the movies in the original. The, I guess the original X Men was clearly like good mutants kind of versus bad mutants, or it was hey mutants can live with humans, or no mutants got to be by themselves, and they kind of carry that theme throughout. And she she kind of embodies. The having to be with just mutants. We don't want to integrate ourselves into society. We want to destroy all of society and just be mutants together. So, I think I think she does a good job of portraying this this I guess sex icon of of X Men. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, she, she was wearing full body paint. There's not a single piece of cloth on her, really. I mean, that's... Maybe a little latex here and there. Yeah. Um, but she just, she embodies this very strong, independent woman very mm. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as much as Jennifer Lawrence tries to do a decent job, it, it, it falls flat. It's a different type of to... character. She, almost, she she comes off as whiny. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, I mean, maybe that's how they want to write it, because she doesn't become strong until after such and such happens. Yeah, but, maybe. I don't know. But I've always envisioned the Mystique as, A, somebody who's a, you know, who's a bad, who's a villain through and through. Right. And she has her own agenda. Um, she doesn't care, really, about anything, except for when Magneto kind of... She just wants to cause problems for humans. Yeah. And it's it's so great. So, yeah, she does. She does a good job. Um, five? Number five? Yeah. More X-Men. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's very X... Well... They, had, they have the most villains. They have the most villains because they have the most movies, minus the Spider-Man, but the Spider-Man really screwed up how they could do it. Well, Spider-Man reused villains. Spider-Man I mean, so, it, so has X-Men, but they've... But still follow the same story yeah. arc-ish. Well, ish. Enough. So, I mean, they didn't kill anybody off. Like, oops, oops, <laughs> like, Doc Doc's dead now. Oh, Do- Toad, Toad's dead. No more. Well, that's with X-Men. Yeah, he's dead, though. <laughs> yeah. They didn't bring him back. He was going to be brought back. We talked about that. Yeah, I know. I just... It still bothers you. I, I did. I really liked his character. Anyway, number five is Colonel William Stryker, played by Brian Cox. Yeah. From X2, X-Men United. Yeah, I love me some Cox. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, his portrayal is probably the best for the Stryker character, which has a huge, huge role in X-Men. If, if you're not yeah, if you're not familiar, I'll let Brian explain his big role in X-Men. Because it's, it's pretty big. Um, in the role of X-Men, Colonel William Stryker is kind of the guy who spearheads this whole mutant testing initiative. So he has all of these different, I don't say the word, experiments going on where he creates, you know, Wolverine, Weapon X, and Deadpool, and, ah, boy, what is it, Lady Shiva, or Lady Deathstrike, or something like that, and and so he, he does a lot of experiments and, and things with mutants to try and see if he can control the mutants, uh, in the movie specifically. Yeah, he wants to harvest the human, right. or the mutants, and, and use their weapons, mm-hmm. they use them as weapons. Well, correct, because he thinks, yeah, he wants to control them because he, you know, he's afraid of them, and if you can't control them, then we have to destroy them, but he wants to try and control them, mm-hmm. and which is a really great storyline, uh, uh, to come in and see, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of hint at Wolverine's past because he doesn't remember where, who he is or where he came from. He just knows he's this, you know, this freak. Mm-hmm. Well, not freak, this mutant uh, with these claws and he doesn't know how they got him and, you know, whatever. So they kind of hint at that a little bit and, and you see, you know, Brian Cox just kind of coaxing uh, uh, Logan, uh, Wolverine, to, to kind of come back with him. Let me show you the lab. Let me show you what all happened. I know exactly what happened to you. If you come with me, I'll show you. So you, you, the viewer, is like, oh my gosh, I want to go see what happened. Let's go, mm-hmm. you know, let's do this. Uh, but, you know, they don't get to it until the very end, which is still really cool. And it shows uh, uh, the uh, the laboratory where all these experiments happened to Wolverine and where he was built. And uh, and, and then, uh, uh, so going back to Stryker now, he has, what is his son that he did experiments on? Because his son was a... Uh, 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 a telepath, like a very powerful telepath that's able to kind of create uh, uh, scenes or, uh, in people's minds and get them to do whatever he wants. So he's able to, you know, kind of control his son and get his son to, you know, kind of take over Professor X and a couple other characters. He was able to get a hold of Nightcrawler and take control of him. We talked about last week. So 
to see this happen and and to see Brian Cox at the forefront of all this was great. It was extremely entertaining. It, it made for a very dramatic uh, telling. This is why the X2 is the best of all the X-Men movies, is because of how they portrayed him on the screen. If, if this character doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. He is the focal point of this movie. He ties everyone's history, not everyone's history, but, but some of these characters' histories together mm-hmm. because he's done experiments on all of them. Yeah. So to, to see him up there and just, you know, he doesn't, I don't want to say, he doesn't project a lot, like yelling, but he's he's very calm, he's very methodical uh, in this portrayal of, of William Stryker. So it was really uh, great to see that on the big screen. And, and Brian Cox just embodies, he's, He's, it's again another big actor that came on and did, did a villain for for a, a, a comic book movie. I mean, he was—I mean, he was in the movie. A, he wasn't in the movie a lot. I mean, he was in—he was in it a fair amount, but he wasn't a lot. But when but, he, I mean, was he was in, the main villain, yeah. what he was in—I mean, it seems like he was in there forever because you just remember these parts mm-hmm. in X Two where he's in them and he's just—I don't want to say manipulating, but he's really trying to get Wolverine to kind of you know maybe come back and. Maybe they can, you know, do some more trouble together. I don't know. He's a, I didn't know he did. I didn't know he did voices either. He's done some voices in movies and stuff. Yeah, he's also in so. Super Troopers. Yes, he is. He plays the. He plays the chief. Yes, the, he does. Not the chief. The. The, sar- the, sar- sar- the sergeant sar- of the, the state troopers. Yeah. Captain. I don't know. It's it's funny. Whatever he does, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, he's fantastic. That's a good movie. I think it's a. That's another list waiting to happen. But why well, digress on that? Let's move on to uh, let's move on to the top four because these ones, these ones are top. These, these ones are the are they, the top. They could go. Well, I don't say the top three. I think could be moved around a little bit. But. I don't know. I think I think the bottom three of this list could be moved around. Number one's pretty solid. Number yeah, maybe. number one's solid. Number four. Uh, this is the first break we've had from X Men, uh, and uh, Spider Man for a while. Um, yeah. Obadiah Stane. Uh, Jeff Bridges' character. Jeff Bridges' yeah, character Bridges. in Iron Man 1. The, the the partner of Tony Stark. Obadiah Stane. It was... Uh, or the Iron Monger. The Iron Monger was uh, his comic book villain name. When he got into the big suit at the end of the movie, he was portraying the Iron Monger, which I didn't know until we started looking up. I didn't know he had a name. Yeah. I thought he was just... I thought it was still Large just Obadiah Iron Stane. Man. Yeah. It's Hulkbuster before there was Hulkbuster. Yeah, basically. And so when when we have Jeff Bridges come on, who again, big name actor to portray a villain in the movie, big name actor to carry a movie with an actor who was just getting back into good graces. Exactly. This is Robert Downey Jr. really didn't do much. He did a lot of rehab before this yeah, movie, he, yeah, and then he was starting you know. to get back into it with Chitty Chitty Death Bang or whatever the movie was called. I don't know. Um, but he, you know, he was he was into big into alcohol, big into drugs, and so this Tony Stark character we talked about in the last episode, this called to him. This was something that. He could portray, and he could use real life experiences to help make this character better. I don't think Jeff Bridges has a lot of real life experience playing a uh, part CEO of a company that makes weapons for the government and, and sells and them sells them to, to the, enemies behind their back. But hey, I I, I don't know Jeff Bridges. So I don't I spend every waking moment with him, although I wouldn't mind doing so, and just chilling with the dude and go bowling and drink white Russians all day. Why would you drink white Russians? Is that what he drinks? That's what the dude drinks, yeah. Oh, the dude. Yeah. I don't think there's a single white Russian in, in, in Iron Man. Oh, no, not in that. But anyway, um, the the portrayal of this uh, um, character, uh, 
again, just is attributed to Jeff Bridges being such a talent that you you love you love this character when you when you first see him mm-hmm. when he is Tony Stark's buddy he's his confidant he he welcomes him back when they rescue Tony Stark from wherever sand pit he was in yeah, I know. and he and he comes back and we're going to do a press conference okay okay so he comes back and he follows him the press conference he follows him to get these burgers at Burger King and and he goes on and when Tony says that he's not going to do this that or the other thing anymore you know who's who's there to kind of clean up the press conference mess it's Obadiah Stane he's this father figure that Tony didn't have because his father passed away yeah, Howard, when he was so Howard young Howard Stark wasn't he didn't pass well he I guess he did pass away when he was young but Howard Stark was never and he was, he was also he was, never there for Tony because he was always building and working yeah he was always working um I guess in the comic book lore, and I guess now in the movie lore, he was helping with uh, Captain America, which I don't think Tony ever knew about until the Avengers movie, which is great. I mean, it brings everything full circle. But mm-hmm. but yeah, Obadiah Stane is is that is that person he's been looking up to 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 be there for him when he stumbles, when he falls, um, and I think I think that that just leads more to why Tony Stark is so you know hell bent on on taking him out when he you know turns his back on him right when he finds out that all the stuff that he wasn't aware of that that stark industries was doing and it was obadiah that was doing it that's why he's so upset because you know he it's, he's it's trusting his, you with it's his, his second father i'm trusting you with my dad's company to do these things you know at the beginning of the movie he really didn't care necessarily what his weapons were used for he just wanted to make sure that they weren't being used in the wrong hands right and then he finds out that they are, and that he's been being lied to for years, and you know that that hits home with him because again, like you said, it's a father figure. It's it's somebody that he's put all of his trust in when he's not been around because he's been busy out partying and you know philandering. So he's hoping that that his company's been doing the right thing, and it hasn't been, and so he takes offense to that pretty badly. And it, you know, it makes it even worse because you know it's happening from somebody who's close to home, and then you get to this part where. You know that Obadiah Stane is bad, and I don't want to say his voice changes, but you know he kind of gets a little meaner in his uh, in his. Gets uh, more forceful in what he for, wants yeah, to accomplish. Exactly, exactly. So it's really great when he just starts yelling at these scientists to try to rebuild the to reactor. To try and rebuild it, Tony Stark built this in a cave with scraps. Yeah, and it just and he just gets so angry and you're just like oh my god he's not this nice guy he's trying to take over the world we have you know you have to stop him iron man mm-hmm. and so you the, i mean the audience i mean for those of you who don't know who obadiah stain is it's a totally different um uh, uh movie after that you're like oh my god it got you know it, it got you sucked in it did i you didn't know? know i didn't know anything about comics before i saw any of these movies yeah you I mean you didn't, you didn't want it to be obadiah because he, you know no. he was he was you no know, he was tony's friend help me you're, obadiah, you're my only hope and you're rooting for tony Help me, Obadiah Stane. You're my only you're hope. My only hope. And then he turns your back on you, and you're like, "Damn it, Jeff!" And then Bridges. he uses that paralysis thing, and then you're paralyzed for a while. Taser? No, it a paralyzed oh, ear yeah. thing, and everybody's paralyzed for a while. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good. I mean, it, he embodies again. He's we're seeing a theme here with a lot of these bad guys being CEOs and figures and, and power, and they're using their power to. They're corrupted by their power, and. Well, Jeff Bridges doesn't have any superpowers, neither does Iron Man. He's not like a mutant or anything, but right. he's using he's using he has his a resources. Super mind. Yes. His mind may not be as powerful as Iron Man's, which is why he ultimately fails. Right. But he does he is smart enough to know 
what he's doing. He's not being controlled by anybody but himself and his own greed for power and his own greed for money and, and all the, the bad vices of the world of, of comic books. So yeah, Jeff Bridges. I was surprised when I saw the movie and I saw him in there, and I'm thinking, why the heck is he in here? Because all oh, and then another side note, because I think we mentioned this last week with Tony Stark, but uh, it was Jeff Bridges, um, John Favreau, and and uh, Robert Downey Jr. who would help create the script uh, for Iron Man. They ad libbed a lot of lines, which which added to their uh, um, interpretation of the character, and I think that's another reason. No, we, uh, you're why, still why, a liar. It's, why it's so good? They did that. <laughs> they did read up. They were literally writing pages of this the, for the script the day of. Yeah, you talked about that. How they 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 take a side and they yeah. the, they'd write the script that they wanted to say, and then they'd roll action. And right, right. And then Jeff said that it was unlike anything that he's ever done because he always had a script to work with. So to not have a script to work with was very frustrating for him. But it, it turned out that they made they made a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. So again, just speaking more towards Jeff Bridges, the actor in in this role, which is why he's he found it again, difficult. So, yet he was so able high to, on the list. He was over, over. He was able to overcome adversity. Exactly. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Tears for him. I love you, Jeff Bridges. Okay, right. moving on to three, three back to X Men. Yay! This is the last X Men though, but it's the most right. important. Yes, he is. He is the when you think X Men, <sighs> he is the villain that pops up. And, and again, he falls under that same category of some of the other X-Men villains where he's not he's not really a bad guy he, he just, just has, has a different world view yes his, his intentions are not I have pure. a different life choice thanks Cartman yeah uh, Magneto uh, portrayed by Ian McKellen and Sir Ian McKellen Sir Ian Sir Ian in all of the movies that Magneto's in other than First Class because that was uh, Michael Fassbender um he's such a fast bender. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, he, uh, definitely was Magneto to me and always will be a uh, Magneto to me. And he's not a bad guy in the sense that he only wants to, to do bad things, but he, like Mystique, he has that agenda where mutants need to be in power. They don't need to be, he doesn't necessarily want to kill all humans like, like Bender. He wants to, <laughs> he wants to just. Is that Michael Fassbender's cousin? <laughs> it's his robotic cousin. Yeah. He wants to just kind of control the humans. He wants the mutants to be in power. He wants them to. He wants to show that they're superior, which I guess, in in a matter of speaking, they are superior. Um, but yeah, he he does a good job. Again, the theme of the th- podcast is a good job of. He does a fantastic job of of being that CEO again, the the, the person in power, and he doesn't necessarily abuse his powers, but. Sometimes he does. Oh, a little well, yeah, bit. At the end of the first movie, he had, he was the uh, guy that they wanted to turn all the humans into mutants. Mm-hmm. So they had that machine. And so, I mean, he had his own selfish reasons for doing so. But he wanted that so everybody would be equal. He didn't want True. that necessarily to kill humans. He just wanted them to all be mutants. So then, who are you going to kill if you can't right. tell who's a human and who's not a real... Or who's not a real mutant and who's a fake mutant or right, whatever. Right, right, right. But no, he he just... He, he's very good at... The, it's the same thing as like a Patrick Stewart. His... He he, he speaks and you just listen and you you think that he's telling you things that that are oh that's for the betterment of of society that we're gonna do these things, and they end up not necessarily being better. But that's again just a different worldview that mm-hmm. that he would that Magneto's character has, and Magneto's pretty much I mean he's not invincible and life you know ageless, but he he definitely acts like it. Yes, he does. 
He looks younger every day. <laughs> Except for the old days of Future Past, where he looks really old. Really, really old. But that's because Ian McKellen's very, very old. Yes, he is. Um, there's really not much more to say about him particularly. I mean, we've already talked about, with every other X-Men villain, they're all kind of the same boat. Uh, he just does a, just a much better job of, of portraying that per- the perceived Magneto. When you, when you think of Magneto, you think of the older aristocratic gentleman mm-hmm. who, who has formal training and everything, and then he can control pe- metal. And yeah. Which makes him very scary. Yeah. Because everything metal. has metal in it. Yeah. Except for, apparently, and you haven't seen Days of Future Past, but apparently the elevator doesn't have metal in it, because they have to go down to an elevator to get to him, but whatever. Everything else is plastic and rubber or whatever. Sure. Anyway, there's some, those are continuity errors, but that's hard to do in a world of, in a, in a world of not metal, when you're trying to portray that. Mm-hmm. But Email Cullen gets number three. Um, not because we can't think of anything to say about him particularly, but he's just, he, he looks the part, he plays the part, you know, think about trying to put somebody else in that role. It's very hard to do because it's yeah, Christopher he, Lee, he really... maybe the, the only other one I could think of. Yeah, but he's even older than Ian McKellen. He, he is, but I'm saying he would be another person to play that role. But other than those two tall British men, there ain't really anybody else. You could get a proper German. Don't ask me who. Proper German. Well, I know Magneto is, is Eric something or other is German. Yeah, but they don't really breed Germans like they do in the comics now, do they? No, they're a little bit more rotund. Beer and brats and cheese and <laughs> oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's such a stereotype. Okay, you name me one German actor. Well, I don't know exactly, but that doesn't mean that a good one doesn't exist. Jeez, I'm just saying that. There's not one that comes to the top of my head other than Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen who could play Magneto. And Christopher Lee's voice is too deep, I think. It's too too overbearing to no, play I, Magneto. No, I, honestly, that's why I didn't have Ian McKellen up higher because my my envisioning of Magneto is his voice wasn't booming enough. Hmm. So, I don't know, maybe Ian McKellen and Christopher Lee can get cloned and have a baby and then that's Christopher spawned. McKellen. Christopher or Ian Lee. Sir Ian Lee. (laughs) I think Christopher Lee is knighted also. I think they both are. Probably because of those heavy metal albums that he keeps putting out. The Queen loves those. (laughs) Of course she does. Who doesn't? Christopher Lee talking about Jingle Hells. Yeah. Alright, number two. Number two's not really a villain. But number two is a villain. Number two's a villain in the sense that he's the antagonist to... To the protagonist. To the, to the protagonist, and a big antagonist. And and if you ask anybody, I think this is why this role hasn't popped up in the two new Amazing Spider-Man movies. This role has not been cast yet. No, and it probably won't be for a while. Because they can't. They can't put anybody else no. in this role. It's it's another role that's been retired, like like Iron Man will be retired once Tony Stark is done. Yeah, the, they're going to they're gonna take a long time. I mean, once Robert Downey Jr. is done. No, Iron Man, once he's dead. No, <laughs> no. It's it's going to be a long time coming to to fill this guy's shoes, and I wish that he would just sign a, a contract with Marvel to just always portray this character. <laughs> lifetime, lifetime, Legends a lifetime contract. contract to always be uh, number two. J. Jonah Jameson, uh, portrayed by J.K. Simmons from the Spider-Man movies, and everybody, oh, he's not a villain. Shut up. Yes, he is, and this is why. He puts out a smear campaign, a propaganda smear campaign, with the newspaper that he owns to get the city of Manhattan against Spider-Man. So yes, he does not go out and physically throw punches with Spider-Man the way a true supervillain would, but in his own way, this is very villainous of him to go out and just 
for no reason other than to sell papers mm-hmm. is to say Spider-Man is bad, everybody needs to buy my newspapers, and I will tell you why. That is a very evil reason, and no one, no one did it better than J.K. Simmons. And no one will do it better than J.K. Simmons. Such a great role. He was born for this role. Everybody you talk to, he was born for this role. Yeah, they didn't have to do much in the way of makeup. They didn't nope. have to do much in the way of vocal training. Give him a little mustache. Give him a nice little piece. Give him a haircut. Give set. him a cigar. He is set. Oh, and his fast-talking, gravel voice, always changing, rapid fire with mm-hmm. his with his uh, thoughts. Just we're gonna talk over here. We're gonna go over here. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Where's my coffee? We're gonna do this. And he's just he's all over the place and so spastic and and energetic and just lively and he just never wants to sit down and 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 he's always just oh such a great job he does he... i can't say enough nice things about the way he was portrayed by jk Simmons. and i and i know i know this has mm-hmm. to be the reason why he hasn't been cast in the new spider-man movies yeah they wouldn't if they're looking for a total reboot you can't use the same actor and then what are you gonna do you can't you can't not have J. Jonah Jameson, depending on how far you want to go into the Spider-Man lore. You can't that's, not... That's how he makes his living, is by taking photographs of Spider-Man and selling them to the Daily Bugle. That's his whole source of income. So you have, you have to show him doing that. So to not, to not have this character is a real big... And, and they got away with it in the first two, because they start off as a younger Spider-Man. He doesn't yet have that job, and that's fine. But, I mean, this is his cover. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is this is Spider-Man's cover. So to not have his boss, to not excuse me, to not have his cover for the job of the photographer, to not that which then leads to not having the boss. It, it's just it's a slap in the face to Spider-Man fans. So hopefully they come out with a third one, and they're going to need a good actor because no matter who they get, they will not be able to fill the shoes of of J.K. Simmons. And and I, the only reason he's not number one on this list is because number one villain did a good job. But number two, because he's not a true super villain when we're talking about villains. So he gets in, I don't want to say by default, because he does have his own mischievous reasons for doing what he does. But he's not the stereotypical super villain when you think of big, powerful mutants and gods. And He's, he's you know, not somebody that Spider-Man is, a, is at odds with. He's at odds correct. with Peter Parker. So he's more of Peter Parker's super villain. Right. Which would make sense, because neither of the two would have powers anyway right. but it right no yeah there he he is j jonah jameson for all intents and purposes for any i don't know how they could fill anybody else in that role you can't the, the comics the movies anything that came after spider-man the movie the games the comics the the the, the, the cartoons any of those things they all were modeled after j jonah jameson after jk excuse me after J.K. Uh, no the, there's a comic that or uh uh the, the animated series, Spider-Man animated series that came out in the 90s. That was pre-JK. Yeah, I said anything after JK has been... Oh, after, that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything after J.K. Simmons has been in that's the they take. model yes. of J.K. Simmons. Because he did such a great job, everybody needs... You know, yeah. And that's who you read the comics as mm-hmm. ever since he became on the yeah. big screen. Just like everything, every time you read Batman's voice, it's Kevin Conroy. Yeah, and the Joker is Mark Hamill. As Joker's Mark Hamill. That's how it is. I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes it's Heath Ledger, but mostly it's Mark Hamill. Mostly it's Mark Hamill. I think it's Heath Ledger if it's... Like, Actually, I'll take that back. I don't even think I really think of Heath Ledger as the Joker. I mean, in that one movie, fantastic, amazing, best best Batman Joker, I would think, is in the... TV. In the Dark Knight? Or the, the Batman the Animated Series? No, the Heath Ledger's Joker is the best movie Joker, by far. Yes, okay, best movie Joker. Um, But Mark Hamill's voice is, is iconic, and it's the best Joker. It is so unique, and everybody tries to be like him. 
in every and that's, that's they, they, excuse me they try and distance themselves from him because you don't want to have Mark Hamill because if you just want Mark Hamill you just go out and get Mark Hamill yeah. even though he retired which makes me so sad he'll, from he retired from the role yeah he'll I think with enough money he'll come back and do it I think he can do something if they come up with something really good but maybe. I mean but that's the same thing with J.K. Simmons and the J. Jonah Jameson characters every movie and comic well not movie I, I keep saying that but every 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 uh, animated show every video game that's come out after this the the person doing the voice has tried their best to do J.K. Simmons doing J. Jonah Jameson, and it just doesn't work. It sounds like a very poor, uh, very poor impersonation. And, yes, and that's, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not what we need in that role. You need to make it your own. Do do something with it. But, right, right. But everybody just keeps trying to copy perfection, and you can't you can't imitate. You can't catch lightning in a bottle no. twice. And that's and that's what they did there. But, and I could talk, I could talk about this role all day, but we don't have that kind of yeah, time. Yeah, we got to switch to... Wow, we're getting really, wow, we're getting really out there. Yeah, we got to get to number one. All right, uh, we'll start gonna, with 12. We'll start back over with 12. Uh, number 12, Sebastian Shaw, played by Kevin Bacon, X-Men no, First Class. Number 11 is Toad, played by Ray Park from the original X-Men movie. Number 10, Victor Von Doom, Julian McMahon from Fantastic Four. Number 9, Dr. Otto Octavius, portrayed by Alfred Molina from Spider-Man. Two. Two. Spider-Man 2, excuse me. Number 8, Ronan the Accuser, Lee Pace, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number seven, Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe, the original Spider-Man. Yes, and cameo in two. And cameo in Spider-Man too. yeah. Uh, number six, Mystique, Rebecca Romaine, the first three X-Men movies. Number five, Colonel William Stryker from X2, portrayed by Brian Cox. Number four, Obadiah Stane, Jeff Bridges, Iron Man. Number three, Meg Nito, portrayed by Gandalf the Wizard. Yes, not Gandalf the Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Portrayed by Sir Ian McKellen. Yo, Wizard Harry. Yo, Wizard Harry. <laughs> Uh, number two, we just got done with J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson, Spider-Man 1, 2, 3. And number one. Number one is number one because number two is not a villain. Yeah, so number one, which he did a great job. Yeah. Uh, this is Tom Hiddleston portraying Loki in the Thor movies and the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And Most likely the second uh, Avengers movie. I don't know if he's in it. Yeah, and, and Marvel has a little bit of a problem here because this is the best villain that they have. But he's really not a villain anymore. He can't be a villain anymore. They've already He's already, he's already lost to the Avengers. Right. Um, all of his all of his hopes and dreams of becoming world ruler have been dashed by his brother and his rambunctious friends and their dog and those meddling kids and his father and his father yes yes yeah and and uh, and, and Odin <laughs> and Odin what's his that's the actor's name uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins yeah a lot of knights in this one <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins has a little something to say about I was that thinking Bob Hoskins no not Mario Bob Hoskins. <laughs> That would have been a very interesting portrayal of Odin, though. It would have been. He's a very talented Mario, actor. Mario, Mario. I would love to have seen that. He's dead, though, isn't he? He is dead, sadly, yes. That's another... That's a very sad podcast. <laughs> but see, that would have been a great, a great last role for mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins. Would, would be, be to Odin. Odin. Yeah. Instead of, instead of Hannibal Lecter, you've got Mario Mario. Wow. Anyway, Mario, way Mario. off topic. You have William Valiant from Roger Rabbit. Ah, uh, I suppose. No, is it William Bailey? I have to look that up. John Leguizamo played Luigi. No, we're not, no talking, we're not talking about Mario. Well, we're not talking about Roger Rabbit either. Why are we talking about stupid movies? No, anyway, Loki. Uh, the problem with Marvel right now is Loki is the best thing they have going for villains. Uh, Ronan might be something, but he's dead now. You can't really use him anywhere. They kill off all the good villains. Eddie Valiant, that's what it is. But they, they kill off all the good villains. Um, uh, the bad villains are still around. Uh, and I don't mean bad as in they're bad, bad. I mean that they're terrible. Uh, they're, not, they're not fleshed out villains, not anyone that would pose any threat to no. the Avengers. No, the, the, um, the way that Hiddleston just kind of emotes and and 
kind of commands the screen. He, he can't be in every Marvel movie. That's Loki right. overkill. Right. And he wouldn't be in every movie. That there's Loki's biggest problem is that he doesn't want to be second fiddle to Thor. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't want... No, he's, he's the first brother. He's the older brother. But he just... I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Loki is the best thing that Marvel has going for it villain-wise. I don't think he's going to be... By far. In, ...in Ultron at all. Um, and if he is, it's going to be a small role. Well, Did I'll, you see the end of Thor, the second movie? Yeah, yeah. So you saw that he's now technically the king. Yes. Ish. Ish, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't get that I don't get that on the screen. If anybody knows, you know, tweet us or send, leave a comment or something. But I, th- I feel like the end of that movie... Because Odin's not dead. No. But he basically... Thor kind of says that it was all Loki who did all this and... Because Loki is supposedly dead, but Loki's not dead. You know, right. he's still alive. So what? Right. You know, what's the dynamic there? Who knows? I don't... Yeah. So it's very, it's very interesting. But he's he's to, ha- to have this character that works on so many levels, and is as mischievous uh, as as he is, and, and that's it. They they have a very big problem with movie villains, and it is that Loki can't be all of them. No. And they so got... hopefully, hopefully, Ultron can can help Thanos uh, when they when it comes out to to. to you know, when we have more villains that are coming out with these bigger movies, I mean, they, they need more villains, mm-hmm. and they need they need better villains. Unfortunately, they have very few villains to work with. Just right. think about think about what movie licenses are owned by which companies. Well, they can't use any Spider Man villains. They can't yeah. use any X Men villains. Right. You've got Thor, Captain America. You've already killed off Captain America's villain. You can't use right. Red Skull anymore. You can use Hydra, but you can't use Red Skull. Right. Um, you have. Thor? You killed all John Travolta in the Punisher movie. Mm, No, that was Fox anyway. Oh, okay. Um, Can't use Ghost Riders. That's Fox. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you're stuck with your four main guys. Iron Man. They're running out of Iron Man villains. Yeah. There's no more Iron Man movies, so they're they're, they're done with those. Um, You've got Thor, which was Loki. Maybe a couple couple more Frost Giants. I don't know. (laughs) They killed off all of those anyway. Yeah. Um, Hulk really doesn't have any... See, because X-Men is Fox. Mm-hmm. So that because like, they're going to come do they're going to do Apocalypse now, yeah, that would be Apocalypse in the X Men though, not in right. Avengers. And uh, Apocalypse, is, I mean, he's a great villain. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. wait to see that. But yeah, the, 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 they do they do kind of have a problem right now. So Loki is the best thing they have going for it, and Ultron, which is he's kind of a new age villain because he's not really from the original '60s uh, comics. Was he's he? newer, I think. But I mean, uh, after that, who do they have? You've got Loki, and more Loki. And maybe there's going to be some turns and twists, and maybe they'll get some rights back to some other comic books. Yeah, I'm really trying to think. But I mean, you, you've killed off all your you've killed off all your Iron Man super villains too. Yeah. Every movie. Obadiah Stane would have been a great villain. He's dead. You know, they, they have that and problem. They killed which off, I, which I don't mind for movies because they're you know this Marvel phenomenon that we have right now wasn't really supposed to happen or it hasn't happened before. So when you have these movies, these franchises that go on, we're spanning decades now almost, mm-hmm. where you have these same characters over and over again. You have a problem when you run into villains and you've already killed them all off. Mm-hmm. So you you can do a reboot, that's fine. But when you have somebody uh, that works like Robert Downey Jr. When you have somebody that works like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, why would you want to kill him off when you can keep using these characters? So it's troublesome that in the early stages they, this this happens, I don't, so they really can't bring any of them back. I, yeah, I don't... There's not much more we can say really about Loki. I mean, the, the guy... We're, we're getting off on a rant now about Marvel villains in general. Yeah. But I don't think they meant to go past Avengers 1. I think they were just going to do the, the, the 
lead up to Avengers 1. Once that was done, great, hooray, movies are good. Uh, time to go do other stuff. Uh, that didn't work out because everybody loved these damn movies. So then now you're struggling. That's why Guardians of the Galaxy, which was kind of a fresh uh, IP at the time. I mean, it obviously isn't something they made up on the spot, but they were able to just kind of take something that had no no real fan base to it and just make a brand new story and start incorporating those villains and heroes. But they these 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 galaxy villains can't really get to Earth, at, you know, in, in a quick manner. So. We'll see. I mean, and the Earth that they're in is, is different anyway. So. Ultron was in 68, so actually... Oh, he was a pretty old. Villain. Yeah. Okay. He's the Hulk Buster. Anyway, I think that's it for the list. I think uh, I think Loki... Um, the, the issue with Loki now, and the same with J. Jonah Jameson, you've got two perfectly cast characters that have done a tremendous job at being what they're supposed to be. Where do you go from here? And there's, you know, that, that remains to be seen. So, we'll, yeah, we'll hopefully, hopefully Ultron does well. Hopefully Ultron isn't just going to be dead in the second Avengers after they do whatever. Hopefully he expands <laughs> they, yeah. on. I mean, or unless they're going to bring Thanos back out for, I mean, which they could. I mean, he would he would be a great villain. He'd be a great a great villain for everybody but to. The thing with know. Thanos is he's not going to be around until they get more Infinity Stones. His whole deal is he wants to get those Infinity well, Stones. Well, they could they could write it a bunch in the movies. I don't I, I don't doubt that. Uh, they, no, don't. They, they can't have a third Avengers movie and not have Thanos be the villain. I'm sorry. I don't think they're going to have a third Avengers movie. You think they're just going to do the two? Well. The second we talked about it last week, the next Captain America movie is the start of Civil War. That's Robert Downey Jr.'s last role. He's done. Captain America's done after that too. Yeah, shoot. This is the last Avengers movie for the current cast. Yeah. Now they may do another Avengers movie with the new Avengers. Yeah, but they're gonna and they and they can't do uh, 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 different Avenger lineups with Wolverine and Spider Man because those are owned by different. I mean, companies. you'll do you'll do Ant Man. He was an Avenger. He was one of the yes. original Avengers. Yes. Do Ant Man. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. That's down the road from now. That has nothing to do with our podcast today. And that's our list. Woo! Woo! All right. Let's wow. get to our vault pick real quickly. That um, was a long one. That's what she said. All right. And I didn't think we were talk very long. That was my fault. Yeah, I yeah. said we were going to run out of stuff to talk about. Anyway, vault pick of the week in honor of Christine Cavanaugh and her years of service in the voice acting industry and making my childhood something of a, me- of a great memory. Uh, we have picked Rugrats in Paris, the movie. The second Rugrats movie is on Netflix. Go watch it. Go watch her. And it's really a kind of a defining role for Chucky because the show was over. They do this movie to kind of get a new generation into into Rugrats. And if you've watched the show growing up, he didn't have a, he didn't have a mom. He was, a, he was with a single dad. And his dad did everything he could to try to raise Chucky. He did an amazing job. Um, but they go to Paris, and this is kind of the story of him getting a sister, getting a mom. Uh, it's an amazing story. It's very well written. I didn't. I mean, I'm sorry I gave away the ending, but it's a kids movie. It's 70 <laughs> it's minutes little, long. It's a little Chucky heavy, and and we did that in honor of of Christine Cavanaugh. So um, she passed away today at 51 years old. Uh, she only worked in the business from 1988 to 2001 when she retired to just be with her family. And I think that um, we can kind of leave it there and uh, go. Please watch the Vault Pick of the Week: Rugrats in Paris on Netflix uh, in her honor and get uh, get your fill. Uh, tremendous voice actress gone too soon. Next week, we will be back with another list. We'll be back with some more news, maybe some more ranting. Always more ranting. And thanks for listening. You can reach us on all the good locations, Twitter, Facebook. Um, internet. Internet email. It's all listed we're on our website. The, we're out on the internet, guys. <laughs> don't, how are you, don't, listen, don't how are you so, listening to us? Yeah, don't be, don't be so afraid. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Sweet 12 from Brian Bourne and Ryan Goble. The preceding podcast was written and produced by Brian Bourne and Ryan Goble. Intro and outro music provided by Lost in a Name. 
All of the copyrights to the respective authors. You can find us on Twitter at Sweet12 and on Facebook at Sweet12 Podcast. Download this and previous episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you for listening.